I sometimes wonder, as Jesus said the things he did in today's gospel reading, if his disciples thought, this guy's nuts. Maybe this is a good time to leave. And if they did think that way, why didn't they leave? More importantly, why don't we leave? Our reading is from the 10th chapter of Matthew's Gospel, as was last Sunday's reading. In the beginning of this chapter, Jesus sent the 12 out with the tasks of healing diseases and exorcising demons as signs that the kingdom of God, the kingdom of his Father, has now broken upon his people, a kingdom that this world has no power over. But he told his disciples in verse 16, Behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and as innocent as doves. Beware of men, for they will deliver you up to councils and flog you in synagogues, and you will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake to bear testimony before them and the Gentiles. Now, while not exactly motivational material, Jesus underscored that the world, whatever time period is in, is a dangerous place for his followers. And he was, of course, absolutely correct. Later in verse 26, Jesus sternly warned, so have no fear of them. That was the focus of last weekend's sermon, in which the them of any moment in history are those who embrace the world's view of reality and are intolerant of any belief, expression, thought, or person that contradicts their perspective. And they will not hesitate to use violence against disciples who do not conform, bend, or surrender to their world view. We have to always remember the world and the gospel will always be in conflict. Why? It is the nature of the world and its adherents to demand everything of us, but incapable of giving anything back, at least anything of eternal value, while the gospel offers all people hope and eternal life and asks what? That we love and serve God and neighbor. It's that simple. Then in verse 34, Jesus drew a line in the sand. Do not think I've come to bring peace on the earth. I've come not to bring peace, but a sword. That's powerful language. What does Jesus mean? St. John Chrysostom, patriarch of Constantinople in the early 5th century, who suffered fiercely and ultimately died defending the gospel, addressed this verse in his commentary on Matthew's gospel. He wrote, and if Jesus came not to bring peace, why did all the prophets publish peace as good news? Because this, more than anything, is peace. When the disease is removed. Because this, more than anything, is peace. When the disease is removed. Now, what disease is St. John Chrysostom referring to? 
one's hardness of heart that results in the refusal to commit oneself to the truth of who Jesus is, the source of our hope, and instead accepts the illusions of the world, the prettiness of the world, the trinkets of the world. The sword, then, is what? The mystery of the cross, that in Jesus and in him alone, a suffering, crucified, dead, buried, risen, ascended Messiah is the source of our ultimate hope. And then we can live in this world as people of hope, no matter what the world throws at us. And then comes Jesus' horrifying comment. And whoever does not take up his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. Every Jew knew what the cross meant as the world intended a sign of utter shame, humiliation, designed to induce fear, silence, and compliance by all. Rather similar to the violent tactics that domestic terrorists are now using in some of our nation's countries and our politicians so cowardly allow. No one in their right mind wanted to be anywhere near a cross just as so many today don't want to speak up. Disciples then and today are told not only to not avoid the cross, but rather they are to embrace this cross, pick it up, and follow Jesus. You know, I always go back to my Protestant days, and Father Martin Luther, remember, he was a Catholic priest. Wherever he is, he still is. But what Luther said something that was really wonderful. When he's talking about the cross, he said, don't run away from the cross. Go and hug that cross. Stick your teeth into it and cling like with dear life to the cross. I'm kind of ad-libbing a bit on that one. Why? Because Jesus has transformed the world's narrative of the cross as a symbol of horror and death and uselessness into his narrative, a symbol of hope and of life. And notice that Jesus never backed down. He didn't pull his punches or attempt to soften his words and make them more palatable. And the same is true with his living word today, his living voice in the gospel. Now, what amazes me is how those 12 men, imperfect critters with tons of flaws and failures, stayed with Jesus. What amazes me is how many of us today, despite all our flaws and failures, continue to stay with Jesus. Why is that? After all, there are so many pretty warm, fuzzy ideologies out there we can dedicate ourselves to that, as I said last weekend, promise an earthly utopia if only we embrace their agendas. But we know from history that all such ideologies are doomed to failure because they all share one fundamental genetic flaw. They assume human beings 
are naturally good and therefore do not need God. I've said many times since being here that human beings are neither naturally good nor naturally evil. If we were naturally good, we would have no need for laws. We would have no need for courts and lawyers or police officers. We would be gods. If we were naturally evil, no amount of laws, courts, lawyers, and police officers would suffice to constrain our evil impulses. We would be devils. Then what are we by nature? Simple, screwed up, terribly defective critters that more often than not can't tell our left hand from our right hand and thus in constant need of grace to achieve our potential as individuals, as communities, and indeed as nations. And still, despite our screwed up, terribly defective nature, we are graced recipients of the grace to see the cross as the ultimate sign of our hope. That it is the sign of Christ having conquered the world. So we do not have to be fearful of the powerful ones in the world. That, I suspect, is why the Twelve did not tuck tail and run. That, I suspect, is why you and I persevere.